the greatest gift of all, the greatest gift of all that you can ever receive is Jesus in your life. The greatest gift I can receive is Jesus in my life. And I really believe that God is not just calling those that don't know Jesus yet to himself, but I believe he's calling this Christmas you and I closer to himself. I believe that he wants us to keep Christmas. When Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands, he wasn't telling you to, you know, dot every I and cross every T and, and, and reach every standard. He was saying this, if, 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 you, if you keep my, the words, if you cherish what I say in your heart, th- then you really love me. And I really believe that Christmas is a time for us to cherish. That, you know, even that story I shared about Joel's nativity, it just shows you how far people have moved away from what is this beautiful Christmas story. And <clears throat> I really believe that God wants us to not only encourage others to refocus on that, but also for ourselves to refocus. Here's some Christmas gift suggestions for this year. To your enemy, give forgiveness. That's a tough one, isn't it? That is a tough one. Because to our enemy, we want justice, don't we? But God, in the gift of Jesus, and the gift of his love, can help us give forgiveness away even to our enemies. Which is a tough one. Here's another gift suggestion. To an opponent, give tolerance. If you're in the retail business at Christmas, to your customer, give good service. <laughs> you know, we went to a restaurant, we were down south in the week, and we went to a restaurant, and, you know, we had to clear our, all our own stuff away, and we had to get our own cutlery, you know, they, and they didn't apologize for anything. That sort of thing drives my wife wild, you know, she just doesn't like it. She's bad service, she just doesn't like it, because... Many of the good restaurants in India, they do brilliant service. And actually, if you go to a lot of restaurants from different um, ethnicities in this country, it's great service. So she really wound her up, and we're in a particular... uh, Well, I'll give you the name, Pizza Express. So we're in Pizza Express, because you can get your vouchers through Tesco for that anyway. So we're in there, and we got bad service. So the next day, we went somewhere else, and we got good service... So instead of just moaning about the bad service, we gave that girl one of the biggest tips going that we'd ever given because we felt in our heart to do that for the good service. But father turned around to me and said, son, why didn't you give a good tip to the bad person doing the bad service? And I was like, whoa. He said, now that's grace. And I said, forgive me, Lord. Next time I have the opportunity to show grace where it's not given to me, in a restaurant like that, help me to give a good tip, even if it's bad service. And you know what it's like, you know, if you go somewhere like that, we don't go often, but if you go somewhere like that, you, you, you're having a special night out, you want to enjoy it. And they really messed our night up, but Father said, that's not my way, son. And it really hit me, you know, I, I don't know about you, maybe it's just me, but I, I'm, I'm still learning how to, how to give this gift of love and give this gift of grace away. Because we are all kind of novices in this, aren't we? Here's some more gift suggestions. To every child, give a good example. To yourself, give respect. 
You know, so often we're told to respect others. But some people, I really believe, just need to start respecting yourself. And start saying positive things over yourself. Give yourself the greatest gift. Speak the words of Jesus over yourself this Christmas. Let's, before we turn to that scripture, I've asked you to turn to in Matthew 1. I just want to read to you from the Message Bible, John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And this talks about the gift of, of Jesus to us. This is how much God loved us. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why, so that no one need to be destroyed by believing in Him. Anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His own Son merely to point an accusing finger at us, telling us how bad we were. He came to help He came to put things right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust in him has long since been under a death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God who introduced himself with love. What a beautiful translation that is. If Christ was not given to us as that precious gift, the promises of God would not be fulfilled in our lives. If Christ was not given, there would be no bridge across the gulf of our sin and shame to a new life. If Christ was not given, we would not know that God is a loving Father. If Christ was not given, there would be no good news to believe. If Christ were not given, there would be no Christmas and no Easter. If Christ was not given, we would still be lost, for there will be no Savior, no one to heal our pain, no one to bind up our wounds. And if Christ was not given, we would not be able to know God intimately or to enjoy his presence. Matthew chapter 1. I want to read from verse 20. This particular part of the scripture is when Joseph was thinking of ditching Mary because she was pregnant. And obviously they didn't believe in immaculate conception back then, just like some people don't today. So he was thinking of, you know, he was a just man. He was thinking of making it quiet, not making a scene because really Mary could have been stoned to death and Jesus could have been aborted in that death. That was what the law said. And Joseph, because he was a man of love and grace, he he was trying to make it quiet so that, you know, Mary wasn't have to go through that stuff because that's what would have happened to her if she wasn't married. So verse, we pick up the, the account in verse 20. It says, but while he thought about these things, he thought about doing this to Mary, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for what is conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people 
from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. What an amazing account of the supernatural. And what you find in this Christmas story is the supernatural breaking in all the time into the earth realm. Just how God started off with breaking Jesus into the earth supernaturally. Having the proclamation of Jesus come supernaturally through the angels. Having these supernatural visions and dreams happening all the way through. Whether it be Joseph, whether it be Mary, whether it be Zachariah, whether it be Elizabeth. Prophesying. These are spiritual gifts. These are miracle signs and wonders. And that's heaven coming to earth. And just as heaven came to earth 2,000 years ago, God has never stopped desiring heaven to come to earth through his people through you and me and just as we read in the word of God these visions and dreams these angelic encounters can I suggest to you this Christmas that's up for you and me too we can enjoy encounters with the angels we can enjoy dreams from God we can enjoy visions of God we are supernatural beings we're not bound by this space-time world we have a direct connection because of Jesus into all of the Holy Spirit is. And just as this happened 2,000 years ago and has continued to happen in many places all over the world, I tell you now, if you want encounter with God, God will never let you down and give you encounter. Amen? And it says here, one of the things Jesus has come to do is he's come to bring the presence of God. Emmanuel, God with us. God doesn't want you and I walking through life just getting by, just by trial and error, just trying to work it all out on our own. He wants us to walk in the presence of God. He wants us to hear the voice of God. He wants us to know God intimately. Amen? Just tell me there one more scripture in Luke chapter 14. This is one of my favorite stories that Jesus told. I just want to read it. Luke chapter 14, verse 16. Then Jesus said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all the things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have to excuse me. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I will ask you to excuse me. Still another said, I have married a wife, therefore I can't come over. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. Now, just before we go on with the story, there's a little bit of sarcasm in here. You may not be able to get it, but there's a little bit of sarcasm. Can I ask you a question? Who really, with any understanding of investment, buys a plot of land without looking at the land? So Jesus is making the point. He's saying, look, these people are making excuses why they can't come to me. Just stupid excuses. What about evolution? Stupid excuses. Why they can't come to me. Well, if God loved me, that wouldn't have happened. Stupid excuses. 
why they can't come to me. Another excuse is, you know, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I need to test them out. That's the modern, that's the old test, the New Testament equivalent to buying a car, then test driving it after you've bought it. Doesn't make any sense. Who buys a car unless they're just stupid with money and then test drives it? See if it's working okay. And the other, this is a strange excuse, isn't it? I've married a, I've married a woman, so I, I, can't, I can't get to the party. Well, either your wife is very dull and won't go to a party, or it's just a stupid excuse. So all these stupid excuses were given why these people couldn't come to the party, why they couldn't come to the feast, why they couldn't enjoy really what God wanted them to enjoy. And it says here that, we'll read on it, I'm not going to read the rest of it, you can read it yourself, but it goes on, it says, the master, which is God, he was angry. Really angry that people kept making all these excuses why they didn't want to come and enjoy the party. Have you noticed this? I'm not having to go other faiths, but I'm so glad I'm a Christian because our festivals are not <laughs> our festivals are not about fasting. <laughs> they're not though, are they? They're not about fasting. Our festivals are not they're all about celebration. They're all about enjoyment. Well, what we need, brother, is more fasting. Yeah, well, we probably do. But I'm saying that our celebrations need to be celebrations. And all our festivals, whether it be Easter, whether it be Christmas, they're all about celebrating. And there is a magic at Christmas. I use that word, yeah, oh, magic is of the devil. No, it's not magic. God is the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate one with supernatural power. Amen? Do you remember the account of the Old Testament? When the... Magicians, the, those with magical powers, those with witchcraft powers before Pharaoh, they made their um, staffs turn into snakes. But the staff that Moses had became a snake and ate all those snakes up. More power, you see. And what we've decided as Christians is we decided not to take hold of our inheritance in the supernatural and also we decided to not take hold of our inheritance in joy. So we are miserably powerless. Merry Christmas. (laughs) My point is this, that it's time to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of you. Stop making any more excuses. If you know what happened to me, well, God does know what happened to you and he still doesn't want you to use that as an excuse for going on with all he has for you. I know this is a strong word, but I, I just want to say that. So the, the, the God, get on, he got angry. He got angry. And in his anger, he didn't kill everybody. What did he do? His anger motivated him to say, well, if those people are going to reject and make silly excuses, I'm going to find people. I'm going to send my servants to find people who are really desperate for life and really desperate for love and really desperate for power and really desperate for relationship and really desperate for my presence. I'm going to find those kind of people, wherever they are, even if they're in the highways and byways and hedgerows of society that everybody else has forgotten, I'm going to find those people and I'm going to take the foolish things of this world and I'm going to use them to confound the wise with my supernatural power and ability. We are not here to build middle class church and make a few contributions. We are here 
to change the world. We are here to change this town. We are here to work together to get over our offenses and to work together to bring Jesus back in our generation and to bring the Holy Spirit's power strongly in this place with not just one or two with miracle signs and wonders, each one of us moving in miracle signs and wonders, each one of us out of relationship with God, close relationship moving that way. That's going to be the best gift this Christmas. When I walked in that hospital this afternoon, I I was walking down the corridors and I was releasing God's presence. I said, one day I'm going to walk through this hospital. And as I walk through, demons are going to flee. Sicknesses are going to go. And the hope that the staff can go on real holiday at Christmas. Because they're overworked in the NHS. I'm serious. Society is crumbling under the weight of sin and oppression. And the church doesn't need to sleep in the light anymore and, and have the, just have nice little meetings with contributions. We need to move into all that Christ had for us so we can be the gift to the world. And it's not even about you know, getting the church together across the denominations and having a nice little event. That is not going to bring... The power of God. What's going to bring the power of God is our hunger and our thirst and our desire to receive from Him in a way that we just don't care. We don't want to make any more excuses, but we want to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of us. And and this master here in this story found people who would respond eventually. He didn't look at their qualifications. He didn't look at their credentials. He didn't look at even the things that they felt disqualified them. The only qualification was necessary was a desire to be with him. If you've got that desire to be with Jesus, then you are qualified to be in relationship with him because of his blood, because of what he's done for you. And you are going to be somebody who really, really keeps Christmas this year. Stand with me, please. The great author Charles Dickens, who was a seeker after the truth and a seeker after Jesus for most of his adult life, and on his journey of seeking, wrote A Christmas Carol, which we know as Scrooge because of some of the films and the musicals that are made of that particular story, that particular novel by Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens found Jesus towards the end of his life and gave his life to the Lord. And <clears throat> this beautiful quote from The Christmas Carol, it says this, I will honor Christmas in my heart and I will try to keep it all the year long. 